Okay, so it's great to be here this afternoon. It's great to see all of you again. And we're just going to do a little interview with Paul and Lynn to help get to know them a little bit more. Welcome everyone who's tuning in and watching on Livewire. Uh, we appreciate your time and uh, we hope that you are well. Uh, so we're going to jump right in. We're going to get started. Um, Paul and Lynn are the founding directors of the Pays Movement. Um, and they have been doing this for 25 years, so they have a wealth of knowledge between them, and we're really privileged to have them here today to uh, just share some of their thoughts and, um, and answer some of our questions. Well, we want to get to know you two um, a little bit better, and um, Pays has really been a joint effort over the years, so could you start off by telling us a little bit about how you met and like the beginning days, what, what that was looked like for Pays with you two? Well, obviously, um, I went to church and that's where I met Paul at the church. Um, he was the first person at the church when I walked in on that day. And I went there because a friend invited me along to church. So we actually met at church, but particularly in the home group because we... Um, very connected with the church, was on different kinds of teams, we was doing youth, we were doing evangelism, and was in a home group. So I suppose essentially I met Paul at the home group in the church. So, yeah. so the, the, the backstory to that is that for some bizarre reason, somebody had asked me about a few weeks before, I don't know why they asked me this question, but they said, Paul, when will there be revival? Which is like, how am I, how am I gonna know that? So I joked back, and I said, because we were in a quite a traditional looking church, everybody looked very normal. Um, and I was kind of, I'd come out of that poke, kind of uh, like, come out of the post-punk kind of era. So, um, so I said to him, I don't know, but there'll be a miracle. So maybe a girl will come in with beautiful blue eyes and black spiky hair. So one day I was on him, like giving out the hymn books, which is when Lynn, and Lynn walks in and she had big black spiky hair and beautiful eyes. The rest of her wasn't that much to look at, but she had these beautiful, I'm only joking, but she had these beautiful blue eyes. So I remember like that, that's kind of like fell in love with her kind of then. And then how that connects with the beginning of Pays was on our first date, um, Lynn had a car and she took us for a drive. Um, but one of the things was wrong with the car was the headlamp wasn't working. So she was a bit worried as we went for this drive that the police might pull us up. And uh, we're going out on this drive and we were talking. I was telling her that I felt that one day I would be a missionary. And she kind of, I think she looks a bit nonplussed, a bit like that. <laughs> there you go. And, um, but while we were talking about this, we, the police came behind us and pulled us up. So we parked on a hill and the policeman parked behind us. And uh, Lynn put a, a handbrake on, but what she forgot was the handbrake didn't work either. So she winds down the window and the policeman comes up to the side of us and the policeman, Lynn starts to panic. So the policeman says to her, uh, what's your name? Uh, and she looks at me and goes, what's my, it's Lynn. Oh, it's Lynn, it's Lynn. Uh, and have you been drinking? Have we been drinking? No, no, we're not, oh, no, no, we're not being drinking. But as she's having this conversation, the policeman was moving forward very, very slowly. And suddenly with this enormous bang, and we'd smash the front of his police car. So that was our first date. Uh, but what was interesting about that first date was even then we kind of, well, I knew that we'd end up being called into missions, I think, so, yeah. Fantastic. And um, I think Jacqueline has a question uh, that kind of relates loosely to that. How did you come to know Christ? Um, it goes back many years. I don't know if it still happens in England, 
But um, in high school, we had an assembly, and you know the Gideons? Yeah? They came in school one day and did the assembly at the school. And on the way out, you get handed a little Gideon's uh, Old Testament, uh, sorry, New Testament Bible. And there must have been something in that meeting that was attractive. So I took the Bible, I took it home, and I put it under my pillow. And every night, I would just shut the, shut the bedroom door, open the Bible, and start reading. But in the back of there, it's got a list of prayers. Um, if you're feeling lonely, turn to this scripture and, and you know, say this prayer. If you're feeling depressed, turn to this scripture and say this prayer. But before all that, there was a prayer that essentially said... Um, as I read your word, help me take it on board and help me understand what I'm reading. And I didn't even understand that. I didn't, because I didn't understand anything about what I was reading, um, didn't understand anything about the Bible. But I used to say that prayer. And you know, many years on looking back, I do believe that that was like the beginning of that journey of becoming a Christian. Um, so, what happened many years later, I bumped into an old friend. Um, from school, um, just out shopping, and she invited me along to her church. And I thought, church is probably quite boring, um, but she invited me to the youth group at the church. So I thought, if there's young people in church, there must be something there. So I went along to the church, and I met the um, young people. I didn't go to the church service. I went to the youth group after the church service. And, and I really enjoyed their company. They were fun. They were people that I hadn't been around before. And obviously, they, they, were, they were Christians. So I went for about five weeks. And then after that, I just made a decision. Somebody told me, you know, about salvation and what Jesus had done for me on the cross. I took that on board, and I just made my decision. And it was just as simple as that. Um, yeah, so cool. No, actually, I never made that good question because I never, never made the connection before that we both got say basically because of schools work. Because yeah. I got led to law because of a teacher, and so did Lynn, which is kind of cool, really. So, mm. yeah, cool, amazing. And uh, Steph, did you want to ask a little bit about um, how things progressed from there? Sure. Can you share a little bit how Pays came about? Um, yes. So essentially, Pays came about because I was getting into schools, so I'd gone to the Manchester Education Committee and asked them you know, what they needed to teach in the schools. I'm going to cut this down because some of you know this. And then I went in to approach the school, found out what they needed and said, I'll be a, a guinea pig. So um, the first lesson I was introduced, they said, well, class, uh, we've been looking at the myths that people believe around the world. And last week we looked at Noah and the Ark. And you're not going to believe this, but we found someone who actually believes it really happened. And his name is Paul Gibbs. Let's give him a round of applause. So I walk on it, and I did, and I kind of did my thing. Um, but a lot of vision, I believe, vision comes from uh, an awkward conversation with God. So it doesn't come in a big revelation. A revelation might give you some kind of get your attention, but really, it's a conversation. So my conversation with God is, okay, why are there so many young people in these schools and so few in the churches? And then God, I thought, well, maybe I need to answer that question myself and go into the schools. And it just kind of led on from there. So really, pays is a very long exercise in problem solving. Really. Yeah. Cool. Um, and so pays has been going for 25 years. And um, we're sort of adding new nations most years. Um, so we're across six continents. 
and I think it's something like 13 nations currently, which is uh, fantastic. And I think David wanted to ask a question that just related into um, sort of um, how how things progress from here. Okay, cool. Yeah, my question is, um, what, will, what will you do when um, PACE actually became a movement and the structure to spark it becomes unnecessary? Um, what will we do? Let me just um, make sure I understood what you said. What will we do when PACE becomes a movement and the structure is not needed, did you say? Yes. Uh, well, if it's not needed, it's not needed. Um, I mean, there's no need. I never wanted to build an organization. The reason PACE was originally called PACE Project was because I used the word project because I thought it would only be around for two years. Um, but I think God had other plans. Saying that, even a movement needs some kind of catalyst. So lots of movements die out because kind of lose the structure so there's nothing there to keep people moving forward. So you always need something. So now whether that's pays or something better than pays, I don't know. But for me... The goal of my life is not to lead pays. I believe I'm going to lead pays till I probably die. Um, but my my goal is to make missionaries the best way possible. And I can't. I've never. I had a really good idea 25 years ago, and not had a good idea since. So um, I can't. Unless I have another good idea, that's what I'll be doing for the rest of my life. I think. Yeah. Cool. Just on that, because um, I think you've been quite humble about having uh, well, no more me, good man. ideas. Always humble. <laughs> Uh, but um, kind of one of the, the big parts of Pays is the sort of the central teaching um, about things like the kingdom principles, which some of these guys have been hearing for the first time uh, this week. Mm. Um, when you are coming up with metaphors like the cloud and the line, sort of where does your inspiration come from and um, how did, uh, sort of, I suppose, how did that, that come about? Like the cloud and the line. So I mean, that's why this is here, isn't it? So, um, okay, so... I think, seriously, most of my life is problem solving. So I had a revelation last year, and I'm in my mid-30s now, but I had a revelation. <laughs> it's just, that's just rude. Uh, I was, uh, um, so I'm 53, and it was only last year I had this revelation. So um, Andrew and I were filming something, and something came out of my mouth. So I, I say this, I, I was born below average so literally, I'm not very good at anything. I have one talent. I can hold my breath for a long period of time. That's it, and it's useless. It's probably saved me from drowning a couple of times, but apart from that, it's useless. Um, so I'm pretty much below average, yet I believe I've got the most important job in the world. Um, so if the Bible's true, which I believe it is, if people die without Jesus, go to hell, but if they come to know Jesus, they go to heaven, then what could be more important than what you do? And what I do, there's nothing. So why would God choose someone who's below average to do that? Why wouldn't God choose the best person in the world to do that? And then a few days ago, uh, well, sorry, a few months ago, uh, Andrew and I were doing this video and something came out of my mouth. And what came out of my mouth was this. Um, I spend 10% of my time thinking of new ideas and new ways of doing things and 90% of my time thinking, how do I get other people to do what I just did? Does that make sense? which is kind of discipleship. So I guess that's where the clown line came. So a while back, I kind of noticed, I think I got inspired by something, I can't remember, but I kind of noticed that most people, Christians, aren't really growing sometimes. They get to a certain place and they kind of level out because, and you should know this by now, I guess, because they are asking two types of questions. How far can I go before I get into trouble? And what must I do 
in order to get a reward. So things like if I'm giving money, how much do I have to give before God gives me more? If I want to forgive someone, how often do I have to forgive? That kind of thing. And I just don't see that in the Bible. So, uh, so I was thinking about this. So in the Bible, it has this, uh, the cloud represents the presence of God. So there's a word, I'm going to write it, my spelling's really bad, but kavanah. And you may have been taught this, but kavanah is what I believe Jesus spent most of his time talking about. Kavanah is a Hebrew concept, and it means that you only truly fulfill a commitment or a commandment when you do it with an awareness of the presence of God and the purpose of God for what you do. When you do that, God anoints what you do. So what is anointing? Anointing is when what you do becomes more effective. It doesn't become more easier, but it becomes more effective. So there are people who have preached the gospel and a few people got saved. They were anointed. God did something. They preached the gospel. It wasn't any easier, but now a lot more people got saved. So I was asking the question, how, how do we become more effective than what we do? And I was realizing that the problem was a lot of Christians ended up spending all their time thinking about the line, all the time thinking about what do I have to do, what shouldn't I do? And they weren't really thinking about this idea of Kavanaugh. So people, Christians were doing things, even pays guys, doing it just so they fulfilled their duty. Do you know what I mean? Well, I've done this because I'm supposed to do it. And that has no anointing. If you go into a school and you, well, I know I'm supposed to do the three A's, so I'll do them. That's not going to be anointed. But if you go in with, okay, I know God's here. And I'll go, I know God put me here. And the purpose is to see these kids saved. And he's taught me this. And I've let some things go. And I've, then suddenly it becomes more anointed. So for me, that's why. is This represents the presence of God and the purpose of God. And... Um, so I guess that's the, the, the short answer. It was a bit of a long answer, really. But the short answer is uh, this came up because I wanted to see people more effective in advancing the kingdom of God rather than spending all their time. And I've got a few friends that have kind of come out of Bible college and they were excited when they went in, but they were bored when they came out. And they spent most of the time just arguing about doctrines and it was really sad. So I was like, let's get, let's get this back into what we're thinking about. So does that answer the question? Brilliant. We've next got a question from Ryan. How do you see pays moving forward and adjusting in our modern culture today? Okay. Have you got any thoughts on that? Or do you want me to answer it? How just Okay. Um, so the adjusting, let's talk about the adjusting bit. How does pays evolve and adjust? So um, when pays first started, I came up with all the ideas for the first few years and basically just taught my ideas to people. Then what happened more recently over the last few years, a lot of the great ideas have come from other people like, like Mac. So we taught the Shalom strategy. We taught about something we call spread spot stay send, which you may or may not have learned yet. But Mac taught that. And in Ireland, they developed this idea called Because You're Loved. And I think the way pays adjust is I'll probably continue to set the vision and the overall idea. But the next best idea we have to reach people might come from this room. It might be you. It might be... Uh, Christian, it might be one of you guys. Um, so the way we move forward is we show people the first mile, we encourage them to grow, we grow them for this extra mile, and we say no if they go on the distracted mile. So we encourage them, we show them what works, we encourage them and we grow them and we resource them to think what would work even better, but we, we, we bring accountability so that people don't go off 
and, and do something that pays is not called to. Does that, does that help? Yeah. Okay, good. Cool. Good question, just, Ryan. Yeah, good. Just next door, it's Christian's turn here. All right, so this question is for Lynn. So are there any personal callings or visions that you have had separate from Paul that you've been able to either live out alongside Pace or you've had to give up in order to join Paul's movement with Pace? That's a great question. Oh, wow, that's a big question. It's not just a good one. It's a big question. <laughs> I have done most things that God has called me to do. And it's always been on the same track as what I'm doing now and with pays. So I don't see when God calls me to do something, I don't see it as a separation of something. I see it kind of a branch out, but still attached to what I'm already doing. So I don't feel as though I've given anything up. Um, and But there's been seasons in my life where I haven't been... Um, 100% on pays because we used to run a church as well so some of my role was half pays and half within the church and I see uh, my journey as that kind of thing I could be doing something and then something will branch off but st I'm still involved and then it comes back in so, so to me it's it's a whole thing you know it's not a separation um but I don't know about giving anything up. Um, I'd have to, there might be, but nothing springs to mind at the moment about giving something up that I've really wanted to do. So. Can I just, I, I think that's really helpful for you guys because that's a really good thing, thought. One of the mistakes that sometimes we see is people think, because you're, you're working with churches as part of pays. That's the way we do things. It's biblical. The mistake is that sometimes people start thinking schools is pays and the church stuff is the church. So I'm doing the youth work for the church and I'm doing the skills work for pays. That's a huge mistake. Lynn's right, it's one thing. So when you're doing the youth ministry, that's pays. When you're doing the skills ministry, that's the church's work. It's a partnership. And you'll stress yourself out in your mind if you think you're doing lots of different things. Um, so like Lynn said, at one point I was running pays nationally. I was on the national team for my denomination in England um, for youth and I was leading the church. But in my mind, I did one thing. I made missionaries. And it, as, as simple as that is, it will help you. So and it's coming answer. up with that theme. It's that theme, isn't it, for, you, for your life. And it's, it yeah. involves everything then. Yeah. It all comes under that same banner. Yeah. It's good. Oh, great. And Jonathan is next. How did you feel about your sons joining PACE? and leading them both as parents and as national leaders or leaders of pace. Okay, you answer that and I'll answer it. How did we feel about our sons being on pace? We was absolutely thrilled that Joel and Levi have been on pace and one of them is actually on pace. It's like the best thing that could happen that they get on board with what you're doing. And I suppose in some ways it's confirmation that you've got it right because they made their own decision. Um, to join pays, nobody sat them down. Nobody said you've got to do what we do because one of them did YWAM, and we were 100% behind them. It was their decision, so it was great that they was on board with what we were doing as well. And you know, the other cool thing is they liked what we did. They had such a fantastic childhood growing up around pays workers and apprentices. I think that was inside them as well 
And as a child, I was, excuse me, as a mum, you, ha- you perhaps don't think about that when your children are growing up. But when they've got older, you think, you know, all those years on pays, that's, uh, or being on pays as, as toddlers had influence on them. So we were quite happy that, you know, they kind of came on and, and it was cool. Yeah, it was, I, I just agree with that. It was the best thing that could have happened to us. So I loved it. But I think our way of parenting was a bit hands-off. So, um, yeah, so it was very much their decision. We never said anything to them. We are kind of a little bit hands-off in the sense that, that way. We never told them we had to go to college. We never told them. We just said we was here to support whatever. And um, so it worked out good <laughs> so far. But keep an eye on Joel. That's all I'll say. Yeah. Okay, so now we are reaching our halfway point Um, for LiveWire. So if you are watching this online, if you'd like to press pause and then just go through the worksheet for the next few minutes and we will come back to you in a minute. Okay, welcome back. If you're watching online, it's good to have you back and uh, we're going to crack on. Uh, Angela, I think you've got a question uh, that you wanted to ask. So This is for both of you. What risk have you taken that didn't work out and what did you learn through that process? Um, I think the biggest risks you take are with people. And uh, the vast majority of the time, they work out. Um, and occasionally, it doesn't work out. And in those moments, I've learned to keep taking risks with people anyway. Um, so, because I know people have took risks with others. You like lead putting people in position. It's not worked out, and then they're backed away. And it's really affected the ministry. So, I know it sounds weird, but for me... I put people in 99% of the time, maybe not 99, but a lot of time it works out. Occasionally, obviously, I'm not going to go when, but occasionally that's not worked out. But the thing I've learned is to keep on taking risks with people. And, and I'd say that with you as you're mentoring and discipling young people is the same. Is, you know, sometimes they're going to let you down. As somebody once said, great leaders get hurt, but keep on loving. And it's a challenge to, to do that, but it's very important. So uh, Most of us... Uh, who've done schools work have moments in uh, in our history that we really hoped that Jesus was going to come back in that moment because there's just that please the ground needs to swallow me up right now moment. Uh, we've said something or we've done something from the front or my worst nightmare is always been that I would stand up and discover that my uh, flies were down in front of an entire school um, and just that's a reoccurring nightmare but uh could you think of any um kind of humorous moments of just like in your history of um training people or also uh, in skills yeah i got loads (laughs) (laughs) i mean how long have you got one you go you got any oh the question was or have you got any about paul i've got loads (laughs) about paul but again i'd need to think about that (laughs) But the question was, was embarrassing well, so moment. We, I'll just want you all think about it. I, I, um, so in the early days, we did some stuff in the early days of pays that we'd fire people for doing now. <laughs> so, And I'm one for like, I don't have a filter, basically. So me and on the first year of pays, we, wanted, we were really creative though. And we decided to tell the, <laughs> the story of the woman of Samaria. You know the woman of Samaria? But we decided to do it from two gossips back in the village, <laughs> gossiping about the woman. So me and my mate made big balloons. 
and we put them up our shirt. You see, nowadays, you can't do that. But in those days, there it was There was an fun. audible gasp there. There was an audible gasp. So we put big balloons, and I'll be honest, my balloons were bigger than his balloons. So we had these big balloons, and it was really good, because every time we made like adjustments like that, um, people laughed. But at one point, it got, it's twice it's happened in what we've done is, it was so funny, it was bad. So at one point, we, we did it about three times but it's hard to get people's attention afterwards because people laughing. And the final time was in a, a school called Aldenshaw Boys School. And we had to stop lesson because one boy laughed so much he literally wet himself. <laughs> and we had to take him out. And so that was an embarrassment. It was a bit more embarrassing for him than it was for me. Um, but uh, yeah, so I have a slight speech impediment. So um, I normally tell this story when I'm preaching, but I'll, I'll tell you this story really quickly. So um, I have... I'm, so Joel was diagnosed with like being cross-lateral. It's kind of a dyslexic thing. And when we looked at the symptoms, we think it's hereditary and you got it from me. So certain things I kind of get mixed up. So as you notice, as I'm talking, I'll, I'll slur one word into another or not finish my sentence and move on to the next thing. It's a brain problem. So, um, so one day I was asked to, um, I did a, an assembly and the principal asked me to um, say the Lord's Prayer. Now, I know the Lord's Prayer really well, and I could probably teach you things about Lord's Prayer you never knew. But even now, because my brain mixes things up, I couldn't guarantee if I started the Lord's Prayer, I would say it in the right order. Okay, so even now, today, I know it really well, but, I, but whether I'd say it in the right order, who knows? So this, this principal gets up and says, Paul, that was great. Can you lead us through the Lord's Prayer? So I panic. But I'm always trying to think of creative solutions so I'm thinking, okay, what I'm going to do is this. I'm going to say it slightly slower so they start it before I say it because they, they know what to say. So if I, I know it starts off with our Father, and I'm pretty sure the next bit's who are in heaven. But if I pause slightly, they'll have to say it and then I'll catch up with, does that make sense? Genius, you'd think. What happened was as I started to slow down, they started looking weird and they started to slow down as well. So it wasn't working because they were waiting for me and I would wait for them. And then it's a true story. And then, so I thought, oh, I'll go quieter so they can't hear me because they have a mic. So I started to go quiet. But as I went quieter, they went quieter as well. So it was a complete train wreck. So it, it ended up with like, what's the last, what's the last line in, in the Lord's prayer? Before amen. Forever and ever amen. So it was like, it was like, <laughs> forever and ever amen. It was literally that bad. So we said our men, and they looked at me, and I'm looking at them, and like, everybody's like, what just happened? <laughs> and then you heard this from the back. Like a clap, can't do it. Slow. And the headmaster walked from the back, no word of a lie, and he looked at me with a tear in his eye. I said, Paul, that was amazing. <laughs> the way you made us think about every single part of that prayer was incredible. And I'm thinking... It's the way I roll. It's the way I roll. <laughs> so it's good. So even when you make mistakes in, uh, even when you make mistakes in the lesson, um, God has a good way of kind of figuring it out. So don't worry about it. You know, so that was a little spiritual lesson from that little. Fantastic. I think. Um, oh, do you want to? No, but I am now? getting the sense that people think I'm really boring. <laughs> but I'm not, honestly. But I just, yeah. Next question. Cool. I think um, Kat has a um, more sensible question, perhaps. Um, yeah, what do you think about female leadership in contradiction to church and churches having maybe a different opinion? Um, I'm going to just repeat the question to make sure. What do I think about 
women leadership in relation to churches with a different opinion. Is that what you just said? Yeah. Um, well, so I believe that women can be leaders. We, we won't go into the theology of that right now, but I believe that. Um, the, the more important part of your question, I guess, is what happens when you go into a church and they have a different opinion? The key is to find out how and where you can serve. So none of us are going into those churches to change their opinion. So we work with all sorts of churches. We work with churches that christen babies um, as, as little children and say that they're part of the kingdom of God. I have a bigger problem with that, but we still work with those churches because we're unified around Jesus. Um, so Pays, I have some personal doctrinal thoughts. Rob will have some slightly different ones. Um, you know, we'll all have different ones, but we're, we're united. And, and for me, my advice would be you find what you're united by. The second thought is, if you believe God called you to Pays, then nothing takes him by surprise. So if God's called, if you said to someone, I believe God's called me, and then you get put in a church that's very different from you, God's not in heaven going, oh, I never thought about that. <laughs> he's not, honestly, he's thinking, there's a reason you're there. Uh, it may be because there's something he wants you to learn, or it may be just the discipline, the character development of serving when you disagree with them. Learning when it's appropriate to say something, when it's not appropriate to say something. Um, and the benefit of getting older, like Rob, is that uh, uh, the more the older you get, the more you realise that there's a lot of grey areas, and you begin to realise what's important. <laughs> to f yeah, I didn't mean your hair, mate. Sorry. And, and uh, what I mean by that is there's a lot of things that are absolutely. I'm going to stand and fight for this, and there's just a lot of stuff that just isn't important. There's a, an African proverb, and it says, "When bull elephants fight, the grass always loses." And uh, I think that's important is that sometimes we fight over stuff and while we're arguing over stuff like that, kids are losing out because that's taking our focus. So, so for us, it's find what you can join with them on and concentrate on that. And, you know, if you, have a, if you get into a church and they have a particular doctrine and you, you struggle with it, the right thing to do is don't tell your team, don't tell, go to the church leader and say, how do you want me to cope with this? You know, you, you preach this. I don't believe in that. How would you like me to... And most churches aren't going to say, we have to believe in that. They're going to say, okay, fair enough, thank you. That's a very mature response, and they'll give you some guidance. So, Great. We could be asking you questions all day. I just absolutely love this, but we're going to have to cut it to a close in a minute. But we just wanted to finish off with, there must be loads of points that you just really love. What have been your highlight points up to now? If you look back over the years of pays and oh. stuff. What are your highlights, both okay. of you? Um, highlights, yeah, there's probably a lot. I think just the growth and just the way new nations open up and it's just growing and growing. If you'd have told me uh, 25 years ago that we would still be here doing this, um, I would have probably run a mile anyway because um, it would have scared me 25 years ago if I knew we was going to get into something that was just going to be so big. So the highlight is that we're still here doing this and it's still growing. Um, so that's just one of the highlights. I'll, yeah. Yeah. For me, um, probably it would be Joel and Levi coming on pays. Uh, but we've worked with some amazing people like you guys and Rob mm -hmm. and Karen. We've worked with some amazing guys. It's been great. I remember um, years and years and years ago, someone saying to me, um, I really want to go to Africa and work with young people in Africa. And I, it's very rare I'll say this to people. Like, uh, 
But they were thinking of leaving pace to do that. It's very rare I will say to somebody, I think you should stay on. But I did with them. And I said, you know, one day, I imagine pays be even in, in places like Africa. I know it sounds crazy, but I can imagine that one day. Because I, I thought I was going to be called to go to Africa. But I realized that if I'd have done that, I'd have probably influenced one village being there. But not doing that, sticking to what God told me to do, meant that now we've got thousands of people who've gone on the mission field. And um, so I remember a while back just seeing pictures from Africa that thrilled me. I remember one day just being blessed because I'm watching Facebook and something pops up on my Facebook and it's um, a picture of people in Islamabad watching a live wire video. And it just freaked me out. But it's amazing how if you take a little bit, God can take your little obedience and do something amazing with it. And so we stayed where we were. I went to be a missionary. Lynn said, I don't think we're supposed to be. And eventually, it's a long story I'll tell you sometime, I realized we weren't supposed to go overseas particularly. So I did what God called me to do, not what I wanted to do. And then I realized, wow, if I'd have done what I wanted to do, I'd have, won, I'd have made the world's worst missionary in it anyway because I don't like going places. I don't like being away from home. <laughs> um and I think what I realized was that little bit of obedience God could do a lot with it. So for me, the highlight was suddenly seeing what we teach here in Islamabad. And at the same, like, like yesterday, I was watching on my timeline, we had these sessions. Everything you're being taught is being taught in Nairobi. It's being taught in Ghana. It's being taught in Natal in Brazil. It's being taught in Brisbane, Australia. It's all the same teaching. And that, that's my highlight, I think. So, yeah. Well, fantastic. I'm sorry. Uh, I know there are a couple of you who have some more questions. Uh, I'm sorry that we've got to bring it to a close, but for time um, sakes, we do need to just finish there. Uh, uh, thank you for tuning in if you uh, are watching via Livewire. And um, I just want to say thank you to Paul and Lynn um, on behalf of uh, Becky and I, uh, but I'm sure everyone else as well. We've um, been on this journey and adventure now for... Uh, 17 or so years wow. and it's been a pleasure to uh, learn and grow uh, and thank you for all that you've invested cool. in us so thank you for watching and uh, thank you for joining with us it's been great to have you